Open your Bibles back to Hebrews 12, where we're going to be studying today. We're talking about finishing the marathon. And if one thing we've learned from our study of Hebrews is that the Christian life is not a hundred-yard dash. It is literally a marathon, 26.2 miles. Can you imagine running that? When I first started seeing those little vanity stickers, have you seen those on the back of people's cars, 26.2? I didn't know what it meant. I thought maybe it was a radio station, but that didn't work. (laughs) Then I was wondering if they were bragging on their gas mileage, and that wasn't quite right. What they're saying is, I've accomplished something amazing. And we know physically it's amazing. And we know spiritually, with the enemy that's attacking us, to be able to finish this marathon is not always easy. And so we come to the conclusion of Hebrews chapter 11. You say, well, buddy, why are you in Hebrews chapter 12? Please understand this when you study the Bible. Men put the chapter divisions there. And they put it in a really bad place here. Because even even the first word, which is the word therefore, tells us that it's tied to the last chapter. A good interpretive measure is any time in the Bible where you see the word therefore, look at the verses before it and ask this question. What are they there for? And so everything we've studied so far in Hebrews 11 is therefore to lead us to this point. Why? Because the writer of Hebrews knows, here's the temptation. We can grow weary and quit. That's what he'll say in verse 3. It's easy to grow weary and quit. You ever done that? Let me ask you this. How many of you ever run for exercise or jogged in your life? Raise your hand. Ever done? Keep it up. How many of you are still doing it at least weekly? And we're down to about five people, okay? It's easy for us to start. It's hard for us to finish. Why is it so difficult to finish? And spiritually, it's so difficult to finish. A lot of us start with great excitement. That's what's happening in the book of Hebrews. These people started with amazing excitement. But now they're dropping out like fleas. Because it's become difficult talking to people that run a lot and and run marathons. They they say to me that if you're running that 26.2 mile marathon, that everybody hits a wall. Now, I've never experienced that because I've never tried it. But they say it's about about between mile 15 and about mile 18 that, that you hit this wall. And here's the way one of them described it to me. When you get to that point, everything just feels wrong. It, it just feels like you're not going to make it. You're, you're hurting physically. But what they said to me is it's even worse mentally. Because mentally at this point, you're a little bit past halfway mark, but you've got a long ways to go. And so you begin to mentally doubt, can I make it the rest of the way? You begin to question, did I train hard enough? Am I wearing the right shoes? I mean, you begin to question everything. And so many people, that's where they quit, is at that wall. Spiritually, my friends, it's so easy for us to get started Boy, we, we, we experience the love and grace and goodness of God and we start life anew and then we, we start. And like Doug said, it feels like, you know, you just want to run so hard, you're dashing out there, but you get so tired, you're not pacing yourself. And a little bit past halfway, when life's not exactly the way you pictured it. My friends, that's the problem in Hebrews. They thought they'd become Christians like so many Americans today, and everything would always be easy. It's not easy. 
and they're facing that and they're beginning to question mentally can I make it am I wearing the right things am I doing the right things and so it's so easy to grow weary and to begin to hit that spiritual wall so that's why we get to Hebrews chapter 12 let's just read and study through these verses for a few moments verse 1 Hebrews 12 verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles do you notice there's there's two things there that are going to trip us up there's that sin that so easily entangles us and we we understand that i mean satan doesn't want you to win this race so he's going to throw blatantly sinful things into your life but on the other hand there's also another category that's not sinful it's just everything that that hinders you and so if Satan can't get you in some vile, sinful behavior, addictive behavior, what he's going to do is he's just going to clutter your life with so many things that just slow you down that you're not going to win the race. Now the writer says here, the key to overcoming those things is that you notice the great cloud of witnesses. You know, in ancient days, the, the word cloud represented a large group of people. And so we've got this, this marathon going on, and we've got hundreds of thousands of people that are, that are surrounding the track. And he says, you've got this great cloud of witnesses that's cheering you on. Listen to them. I was um, researching this week about people running marathons and, and some of the signs that people hold up as people are running a marathon to encourage them. I love this first one. You got this. You got it. Number two, I think, is pretty good. There's a zombie behind you. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I like this one. This one's very encouraging. In our mind, you're all Kenyans. I'd need that one. Number four fits our ser- sermon. Humpty Dumpty had wall issues too. We all have wall issues. And this is my favorite one. The angel of death standing saying, the end is near. Well, think about what would be the signs these characters we've been studying in Hebrews 11 are, are, are holding up for you and I along this marathon. I think of Abel that would say, you know, when you're tempted in this race to give it your second best like my brother Cain, keep on giving it your best. I think Noah might have a sign up pretty simple. It's okay to look crazy when all your friends are saying, no, why would you want to do this to yourself? I think Abraham would hold up a sign that says, you know, even when it doesn't look like it, here's his sign. God keeps his promises. Moses would say, I know it's taken a long time to get there, but God blesses those who wait. Joseph would say, you know, everything's gonna be okay it doesn't feel like it right now you've hit that wall everything feels wrong when you find yourself in that place but God is gonna he's gonna bless you and then I think you could hear from Rahab the harlot she might hold up a sign that's so apropos your past doesn't equal your future yes you blew it there but that's not the way it ends And so in this race there's this great cloud of witnesses And then he begins to give us some specific instructions. 
of how to run. Look at the end of verse 1 and end of verse 2. Let us run with perseverance. Boy, isn't that a great word? Perseverance. Say that with me. Perseverance. Say that like you live in the South. Perseverance. Drag it out because it's a drag out word. It's a word that means you just got to keep on keeping on even when you don't feel like it. Anybody that sold you a bill of goods that says, you know what? You serve God when you feel like it. You do the right thing when you feel like it. You will be a spiritual disaster. The truth is you'll be a disaster in every area of your life. If you don't develop a sense of perseverance, run with perseverance. The race that's marked out for us. Jesus has gone on before us. He's the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. The, the, the racetrack is marked out. We know exactly who to follow. We know exactly where to go. And then look at the next verse as he continues. Listen to what he says about Jesus. This is really weird. For the joy set before him, okay, he, that's Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, how can Jesus have joy going to that brutal cross? How can he make it through the pain and suffering? Because many of us, that's the wall. Everything's okay with my spiritual life until suffering comes in my life, loss comes in my life, pain comes in my life. And I'm paralyzed by that. And and how how can you do that? Well, Jesus, how did you do it? How did you face the cross knowing what's going on? How did you face the shame and the guilt? That word shame is really important there. Because guilt is feeling bad about what you have done. Okay? That's bad enough. Shame is even worse. Shame is feeling bad about who you are. Who you are. And when Jesus is on the cross... Sometimes we think, well, he just took my guilt away. My friends, he did more than take your guilt away. He took your shame away. He not only took the guilt of what you've done, he he took that Satan-driven shame that says, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you don't really count. And so Jesus faces on the cross all the shame and guilt of all the people who've ever lived on the earth. How do you do that? With joy. He could do it with joy because he knew the end result. That 2,000 years later, there'd be some people sitting in Montgomery, Alabama, who could be on their way to heaven, who could be running this race faithfully. The joy was in, he knew the accomplishment that would happen through the pain. And that's a great example to us. How do you endure everything Satan's throwing at you? The pain that you're enduring right now. You keep in mind, that's what happened all the way through Hebrews 11. They kept in mind the reward that was coming. If all you do is what most Americans do, is live in the here and now, you won't win this race. You won't finish this race. Because there'll be some pain and there'll be some days where you hit that wall and you want to quit more than anything in life. You know, sometimes the wall in my life is, you know what, I'm not near as far down the race as I thought I would be. Some of my wall at times is, you know, I thought I'd be stronger than this by now. I thought I'd be better than this by now. And then that guilt and shame comes back. Sometimes the wall is that you've been running this race long enough that you've seen a lot of people drop out. And you're seeing your friends drop out. 
I don't know when you're we're trying to minister to God anything more discouraging than someone you have poured your life into to quit the race. But then we consider Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and is set down at the right hand of God. And then look at this one more verse to close out this section. Verse 3. Consider him, that's the key, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, we've been looking through Hebrews chapter 11, and and we call these the heroes of the faith. And we all admitted all of these guys are unlikely heroes. Every one of them was flawed, every one of them sinned, none of them were perfect. But what we loved about that chapter was God did a good job editing their life. He doesn't tell about Moses murdering somebody. He doesn't tell about Abraham lying. He doesn't tell about David's adultery. He edits because he wants them to see what God sees when he looks at us. They were so unlikely heroes because of their imperfection. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. Jesus is really the most unlikely hero. Not because of his imperfection, but because of his perfection. Who would have dreamed a perfect God would come to this earth and endure all the guilt and shame that you and I have ever accomplished? And yet he did it. And he finished And the Hebrew writer says, if you're not fired up enough about Abel and Moses and Abraham and David and all those people, would you at least look at Jesus? Consider him. And I'm telling you, when you want to quit, I don't know what you do, but here's what I do. And it's it's a simple line for me. How in the world, Buddy Bell, could you quit on a God who's crucified on a cross with blood running from his veins and spit over his face and lacerations all over his back. Who is able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How do you quit on that? So today, we've got some specific instructions here about how to finish strong. If you're taking notes, write down this nice outline. Spectators, strategy, strength. It's all here in these three verses. First of all, the spectators. Look and listen to the heroes of the faith. You want to finish this race. Make sure you keep your eyes on those people who finished it before you. Here's the good news. We're not the first people to try to live this thing out. And we all know in sports, we want the home field advantage. In basketball, we say if if you play in your home court, it's supposed to be like a six-man. You play on your home field in football. Some stadiums even say the 12th man. The 12th man's the crowd. And my friends, I'm I'm asking you right now, are are you looking to the crowd? or, or, Or while you're down here on the track, are you listening to what those people would say to you? I guarantee you there's one of them for each one of us. Are you listening? Do you hear? So that's the, the spectators. Then the strategy is, is very, very plain. He tells us four things that we need to do. Now, friends, listen to me. Finishing this race is not you just sitting back and going, God, you do it. 
On the other hand, it's not you just going, I'm going to do it. It's a collaborative effort. God's not going to make you. So, so what, what, what do we do? Here's what he says. First of all, we need to strip down. We need to strip down those things that are holding us back. Whether it's those sinful things that are entangling us, or whether it's those hobbies that are taking over our life, those diversions, strip it away. Because I think this is one of Satan's great ploys is if something's not blatantly sinful, I don't look at it as being wrong to be a part of my life. And all of a sudden this, this hobby or, or this activity or surfing the internet or you name it just begins to take over my time and, and my spiritual life is crowded out and my time with God is crowded out. You got to strip some things away. You got to be willing to say no to some things. And then he says you got to start running. It's not enough just to contemplate and to think. It's not enough just to strip down. At some point, listen to me, at some point, you have got to do something. I like Hebrews 6 verse 11. You are to be dead to sin, but alive to God. If all you do is try to strip out the sinful things in your life, and you don't replace it with being fired up and alive for God, you're going to be empty and Satan's going to move in and dominate you worse than he did in the beginning. You've got to find that place where you are alive to God. You've got to do something. You've got to get out of this building, guys, and you've got to start reading your Bible. You've got to start praying. You've got to join that small group. You've got to find that person that you can encourage. You've got to find that person that will run this race with you. You must do something. Start running. Be proactive. You listen to a sermon like this, the worst thing is just to go, wow, that's nice, that's cool, I love that analogy. No, it's like Doug said, it's not an analogy, it's got to become your life. What are you going to do? Do me of us coming here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We might even have a tinge of guilt, but we walk out of here and we do the same thing. And it's the definition of insanity, is to keep doing the same thing to expect different results. Start running. Number three, never quit. The best decision you will ever make in your life is to say, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And who does? I don't know what life can throw at me. I don't know what Satan can throw at me. But here's the best decision I know I've ever made in my life. No matter what happens, I will not stop following Jesus. That's a non-negotiable. Listen to me, my friends. If you've got to think that decision through every day, eventually you're going to quit. You make that decision. And I love the point. You've got to stay focused. He says, and the the key word here is you fix your eyes on Jesus. You stay focused on him. You say, buddy, it's like even mentioned the word marathon. That sounds sort of tiring to me. I got to strip down and I got to start running and I got to never quit and I've got to, you know, stay focused. I mean, that just wears me out. Where do I get the strength? Well, the strength is in the passage. That's our last point. Where does the strength come? Here you go. You've got to look to Jesus for empowerment. That's the whole idea of fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's not just that he's the example. My friends, what the Bible teaches is, if you keep your focus on Jesus, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, he will change you. We see a vivid illustration of this in the Gospels, don't we? When Peter's walking on the water... As long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he can walk on the water. He can do miracles. But when he's diverted, not by sinful things, but just by waves. When he's diverted, he sinks. 
So if we keep our eyes on Jesus, Paul would put it this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My friends, there's no question that this can happen. Because you've got more power available to you than you. See, a lot of times we're, we're sitting here listening to this sermon. We think, man, I got a lot of changes I need to make. Ooh, I got, but, but here's the deal is, you, you, you put it wrong. I've got a lot of changes I've got to make. I would say, yes, you do have some changes. Yes, I have some changes. But I've got some changes that we need to make. That's me and God, and that's me and you. We make it together, and that's our next point. Not only do you get strength and empowerment through Jesus, but you look to each other for encouragement. By the time he gets to Hebrews chapter 12, he changes the pronoun, not to I, but to we. This race was meant to be run by us together. You know, if you work out, or if you are a runner, it almost always helps if you do it with somebody else. If you got somebody pumping the weights with you that pushes you to go a little bit stronger. When you've done three reps and he pushes you to do four reps. When you're running and you're ready not to run the 10 miles you aim to run. And your partner says, no, we're going to finish. We're going to finish. We're going to finish together. I'll slow down and run with you for a little bit. Powerful things happen. You need a partner. And that's, that's, God's, that's why God told us to meet here today. He didn't tell you to meet here just to get in and out of here. He told you to meet here because you need encouragement. Because everybody in this room are tempted to quit. And and, and don't think quitting simply means quitting church. We all know you can sit in church every Sunday and still quit. You could give up on your dreams of being who Jesus wants you to be. You could give up on your dream of reaching this world for Jesus Christ. You could give up on your dream of you becoming spiritually pure and holy and righteous. You could sit here every Sunday and give up on those things. And that's why it's important. And he'll say this even in the book of Hebrews. When we get together, we better stir each other up and we better encourage each other. If we don't do this today, then guys, many of us are going to walk out of here and, and quit. Because we're weary. I guarantee you, I am talking to some weary people here today. But here's the good news. Through the empowerment of Jesus and the encouragement of Jesus' people, you have everything you need to win this race. Do you understand that? Do do you catch that? You have everything you need. Listen to me. Jesus is asking, it shall be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be opened. What was what are you saying there, Jesus? I'm saying if you want it and you knock and you seek and guaranteed you got it. Don't anyone sit here today and go, well, you know, if I really tried, maybe I'd make it, maybe I wouldn't. No, 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 no. With the strength of Jesus and with the encouragement of his people, if you want to win, I'm not telling you it's easy. Obviously it's not. It's a marathon. But what I'm saying is you can win. Now I've got a young man that's going to help me illustrate this now. So I want to invite Jackson Hill. Where's Jackson? If Jackson would come up. All right. I love Jackson Hill. This is a fine young man. He's overcome his parents and made something really, really good good of his life. All right. Now, Jackson is actually a cross country runner. Can you see it? He's got his stuff on here today. And so he's a long distance runner. 
But Jackson, um, you know, uh, we, we got to work on this outfit a little bit. And uh, let's just, I, you know what I think is, I don't think those shoes are very cool. And uh, I know you probably hang out with lots of people who drive pickup trucks, right? You, you got any redneck friends? You need some boots, man. Please take those shoes off. All right, let's put these, let's put these boots on, all right? Yeah, yeah, stick those on. Those are going to look really, really good on you, man. People are going to like you so much more. I ain't no doubt. And, and, and Jackson, we're going to, you know, man, I, I want to put this coat on you, dude. You, um, you look like you might get cold out there. And I know your mommy didn't want you to get cold. So let's, um, let's put this on here. Oh, man, but you know what, you know what this jacket may be? You know, if you think about it. You know, you know, Satan wants to put you just so, he just wants to cover you, Jackson. Jackson see, I, I love Jackson. Jackson's young. Everybody, Jackson, he's got that spark on his eyes, man. He's excited about life. He's a young Christian wanting to live for God. But, but see, Jackson, I will tell you now, there's an enemy after you, and he wants you wearing those boots because he knows that'll slow you down. And he wants you to, to, to be covered. I'm just saying, what he does in my life is he just sort of covers me with guilt, just sort of this low level of guilt that just sort of dominates my life. You know, it's not that bad, but it, it's always there, so I never really go for it. And, and Jackson, you, you still, man, there's also some other things that, there's got to be, I want you to put this backpack home, man. It's got a big old computer in it. It's got some books in it because I know how much you like to study, Jackson. I've heard all about that. Yes. All right, Jackson. Is that getting pretty heavy, man? Uh, you, about run, you ready to run that race? No, sir? Not, not sounding too good? No, not, not looking too good either, bud, okay? Well, let's, um, we, we got some more things, Jackson. I mean, you know, to really be a good runner... I mean, you've got to focus on that. And um, I-, I want you to take up golf, all right? And there is, there is nothing wrong with golf. Uh, it's a good, you know, diversion, but it's a terrible obsession. And, and, and I've seen too many people in this church that it becomes their obsession. And they take up so much time. Well, you're not going to have time to run. And wh- while we're at it, you know, Jackson, I mean, he, man, just you need to watch a lot of TV because that that will that will that will, that will keep you going really well. And Jackson, we got and, and and when you're away from the TV set, I mean, you need one of these little phones. I got a message from your daddy. What time in the service is Jackson coming? But on this little baby, man, you can be diverted all day long. I mean, you can watch good stuff, bad stuff. That I mean, you, you're not going to feel like getting out and practicing running because you got. You got women to communicate with, Jackson. I'll guarantee you that. All right. And then Jackson, uh, man, I'm, I also, we're going to, well, here's what we're trying to do, brother, is we're just trying, we're just trying to fill your life up with, there's some rap star that wears that. Come on, help me out here. We're, 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 now, we're just going to fill your life up with so much time that, that you know, you're, you're going to lose your cross-country career, man. you you feel like going out and running now? Because I mean, how do you think he's going to do? No matter how motivated Jackson is to go out and run, how's he going to do this way? What, what, what's he going to do? Just go and tell him it's okay. We're not playing upward basketball. He's going to lose. Okay? <laughs> it's okay to lose, all right? But Jackson, let me, let me tell you this, buddy. The, the deal is this, may, this, this will probably be enough to mess you up, okay? It will be. And again, I'm not giving you anything sinful. Besides those boots. I've not given you, I've not given you anything that's per se wrong. But here, here, now you gotta understand, buddy, you got an enemy that doesn't want you to win this race. And so if this is not enough, 
Then, then we got some more stuff, Jackson. I'm telling you, buddy, and uh, who your parents are not going to appreciate this. But Jackson, if, if, then if, if that doesn't work, then we're going to get you in some kind of addicted behavior, all right? Can you, can you put that vodka bottle with you? Don't open it, please. Not right here, all right? <laughs> and Jackson, I mean, if that's not good enough, we're just going to destroy your health, man. So let me, let's put that in there, all right, buddy? That's going viral, man. <laughs> Jackson, I mean, now guys, we, we, all, we all laugh at this, guys. But this is for real. This is what Satan's doing in your life and my life. He's getting, guys, in, in, in the modern culture, guys, we have so many diversions, so many things to do. You can avoid your spiritual life. You can avoid living for God. I mean, you're never going to win the race. And then, if not, because he, despite all the TV and internet and everything we can do, despite the fact of that, we still are empty. And so then he comes in with, with addictions. I'm not telling you whose member gave me this. But, I mean, he comes in, he, he comes in with addictions, you know, that can absolutely destroy your life. You're looking too comfortable there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, do, do you see the point, guys? All right, Jackson, you can sit down. Thank you for helping us. Let me keep this. Now, that's a fine young man to put up with that. Amen? Because that's not, it's not just funny. That's real. Here he is starting his Christian life. I'm going to tell you, here's, here's, you, some of you are feeling it today. You're weary. You're tired. He's adding layer and layer of guilt. He's adding more and more activities to your life, even good activities. Oh, I, you know, I, ooh, golf, man, I got to perfect it. Nobody perfects it. So I got to play four or five times a week. Oh, man, I, you know, this little phone, man, I can sit anywhere and, and, and interact with the world. And there's a lot of good things about that. But before long, I'm, I'm not interacting with anybody, more or less God. And then for some of us, if, if we're really honest here, some of these addictive behaviors, where it's alcohol or drugs or cigarettes, I mean, y- you found yourself caught in it. Because of the emptiness of your life. And guys, this is where we got to help each other. We got to hold each other accountable. When you see me get like Jackson in my life getting too busy, you got to help me strip off some of this stuff. And when, you, when we get in some of these behaviors that will destroy your life and destroy your family, that's why we have something called RSVP Overcomers. And so somebody can go get some help with those things. I guarantee you, there's too many people here this morning. I'm talking to some people that are addicted to alcohol or drugs right now. I know I am. Or pornography, you name it. That little phone's dangerous. And I'm, I'm saying to you is, guys, we can overcome this. But we've got to get real about this. We've got to understand the power that we have from Jesus. We've got to understand the strength that we can get from each other. But let, let me just say this to you this morning is, Jackson, that's why I love our youth ministry. I love what goes on. The, Jackson's not going to finish this thing without a lot of help from his parents, youth ministry, and from his family. And from his church family. And the, the truth is, we might be older than Jackson. But the truth is, we're in probably worse shape than he is. Because we had enough time to accumulate lots of these things. And our life is so cluttered, my goodness. We're, we're just standing still. We're not running for God. 
We don't have any great dreams and ambitions for God. We just want to make it day to day. So that's where we need each other. My favorite story is about running. It was a few decades ago. The Special Olympics in Los Angeles, California. No, it was San Diego, California. In the Special Olympics, they had four boys running who had Down syndrome. And it's the national championship, so the stands are packed, and the gun is shot, and these four boys take off running. It's a really sort of odd-looking race, because you know they're not really going that fast, but they're giving it everything they can. The, the crowd's excited, and about a quarter way around the track, they're, they're side by side. Halfway around the track, they're still just side by side. Nobody can take the lead. About two-thirds away around the track, though, one of the boys begins to really pump it, and he gets out about 10 feet in front of the other. And the crowd stands on their feet, and they're going crazy because they know how hard this is and what this means. And, man, they are cheering, and everybody's so excited until about... 20 feet before the finish line, this boy trips over his own feet and he's skin up there on the track. And that crowd that was standing and cheering is hushed. And then on that day in San Diego, California, they saw something on that track, probably never been seen before, probably never seen past it. When the other three boys got to where the fourth one was laying on the track, they didn't run past him. You know the story. They stopped and they picked him up and they went across the finish line together. And my friends, that is the picture from Hebrews 11. We don't win this alone. We win this together. And so today, would you look to the heroes of the faith? In the Bible, would you look to some of the heroes of the faith the Bill Pages, the Don Tarodes, the faithful men and women of this church who've been in here for the long haul, the Nita Royals. Would you look to those people? Would you see them and be inspired to finish the race? So today we're about to sing an awesome song. And if it's time for you to start confessing and stripping down some things so that you can get out of here and run, the best thing you could do would be to, to come and admit it. Because we, we, when we saw Jackson up here, we laughed. But it's really no laughing matter because pretty good picture of a lot of our lives. Pretty good picture. If today you're ready to change that picture, you're ready to hear that crowd, you're ready to run that race, and you're ready to win. Won't you come up here and let us know right now while we stand and sing?